What is going on, everyone? This is Zach back here with another episode of Clutch Crew Sports. And if you didn't get slimed from Nickelodeon, you didn't jump off sides on fourth down, and you weren't a bad referee, this podcast will be for you because we saw some of that on full display this wildcard weekend. We have a great show for you guys. Hopefully you enjoy. And now let me introduce you to the rest of the crew. What's going on, everybody? This is Eric, your ranting co-host here. Uh, no rants for me today because the Titans and the Colts lost. Let's go. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I knew Zach would agree with me on that yeah. for sure. So, yeah, definitely uh, excited to talk some football here and ready to get into it. And what is going on, guys? It is Connor, the co-host with the most. And, uh, yeah, no rants from Eric, but you uh, will be hearing a rant from me later on because, uh, unfortunately, worst-case scenario happened for me. Not only did the Steelers get eliminated, but that means that the Browns and the Ravens are still in. So, uh, you know, Chiefs and Bills, counting on you guys <laughs> to take <laughs> yeah. them out because uh, Steelers can't win Super Bowl in the Ravens and the uh, Browns better not win the Super Bowl. <laughs> Imagine the Browns. Oh, man. All right. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, what's up, guys? Um, it's me, Nate, here. Um, I actually, I don't know about you guys, but I actually had <laughs> some fun with that Nickelodeon uh, broadcast yesterday. Um, but I'm looking forward to uh, the games this weekend. Uh, should be some good uh, matchups there. So excited to get into talking about it. Yeah, so we're going to make our our episode very similar to what we did last week. We will go through all four of the games and kind of preview the X factors. Each of us have been assigned to a certain team um, that we think will win or one that we're playing devil's advocate for. We don't think we'll win, but we do give them a good enough shot that we can make a case for them. And then later on in the show, uh, Connor's got his Steelers rant. I'm I'm really excited to listen to see what that's going to be about. (laughs) <laughs> Eric agrees with me. Um, and then we've got some quarterback <laughs> questions. So uh, Chicago and Washington, two teams eliminated from the playoffs. We'll kind of be discussing the quarterback situations there. And later on, we'll have a more in-depth um, quarterback for the whole league sort of podcast episode. But uh, we'll just focus on these guys since they just played in the playoffs and lost. So, um, But we do have the divisional round. And we'll start with the AFC. So the first game here is going to be the Browns at the Chiefs. And all four of us have decided to pick the Chiefs to win. And Eric has been the strongest Chiefs uh, believer this whole season, really, and, and last season as well. So we, uh, we're giving you the honors of saying the X factors for the Chiefs. What do they need to do to win and how you think the game will go? Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean... Before I, I give my reasons for the Chiefs, I do have to give the Browns a lot of credit. Uh, I I picked the Steelers to beat them last week with all the COVID issues they were having and some people that they were going to have being out. I just really didn't think that they were going to have a chance, and they came out from the beginning and dominated. So the Browns are definitely here to play. But with that being said, I still I still have to go with the Chiefs here, and. Obviously, you got Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's he's the biggest difference maker. And I don't think the Chiefs are going to make the same mistakes that the Steelers had going on uh, really early in the game that gave the Browns that big lead. I don't see the Browns having that happen for them again. I think the Chiefs will get out to a much hotter, much hotter start than the Steelers did. 
And but the the main X factor for the Chiefs is going to be their defense uh, and stopping the run game of the Browns. Obviously, everybody knows with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, what the Browns are going to want to do is to run the ball and the Chiefs are going to need to sell out and stop that and make the Browns beat you through the air. Baker Mayfield's had some good games at times, but he's also been inconsistent at times. Uh, And with the Browns having some uh, injuries on the O-line, I don't know if anybody's heard anything about Jack Conklin's status, but I know he got hurt uh, in the game against the Steelers. I don't know if he's going to play, but if he's out, then they need to sell out to stop the run put the Browns in obvious passing situations and then go after Baker and make him beat you. Uh, If they do that, the chiefs should easily win the game. But if they let the Browns get the run game going, keep it close, that's where it could get interesting. But I, I still got the chiefs. I think they get it done here. Yeah. So I'll preface my argument by saying I did pick the chiefs in this game. And actually this was my original AFC championship prediction. Everyone, thought I was crazy for having the Browns in that far in the playoffs, but they're just one game away from making that game. And I really do think they would have a decent shot at winning this game. I think it's going to be close. And normally you would say, um, don't get behind, you know, or I mean, just, or get the lead is a better way of saying that get the lead, but we've seen the chiefs come back from big leads in the playoffs before. So it's like, they're going to have to do more than just get a big lead they're going to have to do something that the Texans did not do last year, which is be aggressive throughout the whole game. And this is a little bit of a problem because against the Steelers, well, I didn't watch uh, much of the game. I, I know at the end they weren't, um, they were being prevent defense or uh, just very passive and they can't do that against the chiefs at all. If they do that, if they try that against the chiefs, instead of, um, dink and dunks for five and ten yards it's going to be dink and dunks for 30 40 yards and it's going to it's going to look bad so they have to keep the pressure up even if they have a big lead if they go up with another big lead like they did against the Steelers they have to keep um keep to their game plan and keep trying to score points and get touchdowns on the board because I'll say this too you're not going to beat the Chiefs kicking field goals if you get in fourth down situations and I know uh some of my co-hosts don't necessarily agree with me on this point but Going for it on fourth down is going to be a big thing for the Browns because if it's fourth in, I think, five or less and they're in uh, field goal range, I think they almost have to, unless the defense is playing like unbelievable uh, and it's at the end of the game, I think they almost always have to be going for it because you cannot kick three points against Kansas City and expect to win the game. So they're going to have to, I think, play really aggressive. Um, as far as the offense, they got to keep... Uh, what's what their strength is and that's the run game and hopefully conklin's back i saw i was looking that up eric in between uh, and it said day to day so i don't know if conklin will be playing uh with a hamstring you never know he'll probably Uh, try it's the playoffs after all (laughs) definitely this is not a time to sit down um so if he can he will but so we'll see what happens but either way the offensive line's been been pretty well and they got to keep the run game going. Um, this is not going to be a week where they can have an off week with running the football because that's also going to kill time of possession. And when you play the Chiefs, you want to limit the possessions. It's like playing a team in basketball that's uh, got a high, that's like very fast paced. 
um, like the Warriors were a couple years ago. You want to limit possessions. You want to draw out the shot clock. You want to chew the clock in the game. That's the kind of formula that you have to have to beat the Chiefs, which have only been beaten twice this season. One of those games was without Mahomes and their starters. Uh, So it's going to take a lot of lucky breaks, I think. And it's going to take everything I said for the Browns to win and probably still need some more luck on their side with other things, a fumble, an interception, something like that. They can't turn the ball over. They got to play perfect. Um, But the thing is, is the Browns have a good enough team to do this. And we saw it last week. So I definitely think it's a realistic possibility. Um, And I think it'll be a good game to watch. I'm excited to watch this. Um, But at the end of the day, I do think the Chiefs win. But uh, the Browns fans should uh, should be feeling good. They just won their first playoff game in, what, 25, 26 years or something like that. So uh, good for the Browns, and I'll be rooting for them. Uh, yeah. I guess so, I'll follow what you said there really quickly. By there yeah. is such a thing as being too aggressive. <laughs> well, okay, so what do you – okay, so I, I, we got time, so we can ask you this. What do you agree with me on, like, that fourth and five or less thing? Like, I would uh, say fourth and two. Or less. Okay. I think fourth and five is like because the Chiefs do have a better defense this year than they did last year. Yeah. So I don't think they're one of those teams that you can go in there thinking like, oh, like, you know, if we end up in fourth down, we can easily get this. Like the Chiefs do have a good defense this year. So I think and also definitely like you want you say that, you, you know, you're not going to beat the Chiefs by getting three points, which I agree. But there's also scenarios where like, you know, if you do that too often where you don't go for the field goal and you keep going for it on fourth down, then you could just end up finding yourself in a bigger hole because you're giving up field position most of the time in that scenario instead of, you know, taking the field goal and then forcing Kansas City to go down the field. So, um, but definitely I think, you know, I'm, I'm all four teams being more aggressive in the playoffs because it's now or never, but I think like fourth and two and less, I think is a more yeah. realistic scenario. Um. Nate, what about you? Are you are you more with uh, Connor, or are you uh, more aggressive with this with uh, the fourth and five thing that I said? Oh yeah, I mean I'm definitely usually I'm more aggressive on this sort of thing if it's you know unless like you said if their defense is playing out of their minds and they're you know keeping Mahomes in check, obviously take the points. But it's like when you got a team like Kansas City or even college, you know when they're playing someone like Alabama, like. You know, if you have those chances inside their end, like you gotta go for the big points. Uh, same thing to Eric. Yeah, I mean, I guess for me, like, it just kind of depends on more so what the scenario is. Like, mm-hmm. say if like I'm the Browns and I'm up twenty to fourteen and it's fourth and five, I, I'm gonna kick the field goal to go up by two scores. But if yeah. I'm down twenty-one to seven okay, we need to get back in the game. Like we're, we're going for it. So mm-hmm. it just, it kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm always the like play it by ear and like make mm-hmm. a judgment call. I, I can't say one way or the other, but yeah. Um, but, but, but I mean, I definitely see where you're coming from here though, just based on the matchup and who they're going up against. I like, I mean, like, y'all know when we play Madden and stuff, like I'll usually be like kind of more conservative, but if y'all are like, gunning it out like how the chiefs play then i'm like okay i need to like i need to put my foot on the gas a little more yeah yeah so i can definitely see why maybe they should this game but i do also agree with connor though like you got to be careful and you don't want to just you don't want to just be aggressive just to be aggressive so Mm -hmm. i guess that's my take on that yeah we'll, we'll see how it goes um should be an entertaining game and let's go over to the other afc game ravens at bills um i'm the only one taking the ravens in this game 
and Connor, Eric, and Nate all have the Bills. Fun fact, uh, now that we're at the end of the AFC here, uh, since last year and still going, I've not gotten an AFC playoff game prediction wrong. <laughs> uh, last year, I, I had my AFC bracket perfect uh, from the beginning of the playoffs, and it stayed perfect until uh, maybe this week. I don't know. <laughs> um, but now you just, year... just jinxed yourself. The I know. Yes. I know. Dude, I Zach, know. Were, I just... were, you, were you saying your picks are automatic? <laughs> <laughs> Ten weeks without Dr. Pepper. Oh, God. How will I live? Gosh, Sorry, dude. I had to. I had to. No, no, that's funny. You actually did. I probably did just jinx myself, honestly. We'll come back next week and the Browns and Bills will have won. Like, um, but... Okay, let's let's hear from the favorites' point of view. Uh, Connor, you talk about the Bills and the X factors for them in this game. Yeah, I mean the key, obviously, for the Bills is you know the key for anybody playing the Ravens. You just got to stop Lamar Jackson. Um, I think the biggest thing for the Bills, really, because the Bills have struggled with run defense, um, but honestly, I think they could take some cues from just look at what the Titans did in that game against the Ravens because. There were a lot of, I mean, other than a couple big Lamar Jackson runs, um, the Titans, for the most part, really held the Ravens' run game in check. Like, Lamar Jackson, on a lot of those read option plays, like, he wasn't really finding room to go. J.K. Dobbins couldn't find anywhere to go at all. Um, And they were forcing Lamar Jackson to throw it, which is why their offensive output was a bit lower, considering that the Titans, out of pretty well every team coming into this playoffs, except for, like, Pretty much between them and Green Bay, the Titans, yeah, between the Titans and the Packers, those were the two worst defenses coming into this playoffs. And um, the fact that the Titans were able to hold Lamar Jackson in check makes me nervous for their sake. Not nervous because I sure hope they lose, but nervous for their sake um, going in a game against the Bills. Now, the Bills, the run defense is their weakness, but if they can force Lamar Jackson to throw it. This secondary for the Buffalo Bills is one of the best in the NFL. Um, so Lamar Jackson isn't going to be able to throw it all over the place on the Buffalo Bills like he kind of was against the Tennessee Titans in the last game. Um, so that's the big key for the Bills. to They need to stop Lamar Jackson and also just keep the offense going. I mean, this is one of the hottest offenses in the league right now. And the Ravens obviously have a very good defense, but... You know, Josh Allen and the offense have shown that they can put up big numbers against anyone. Stephon Diggs is just like a machine when it comes to catching the ball. It seems like he's always getting open. So the Bills just really just have to keep up what they've been doing recently. I do think it's going to be a close game. Um, I said, obviously, I think the Bills probably were more so hoping for the Steelers this week, given how the Steelers don't have any sort of run game. Um, But I think it does play to their strengths a little bit that if they can stop the run game, then they're going to force Lamar Jackson to throw, which is obviously Lamar's weakness and the Bills' strength on defense. So um, just really looking for that to stop that run game. But it'll be a good game. And I said, go Bills, because I don't need the... I mean, honestly, (laughs) I'd rather the Browns win the Super Bowl than the Ravens. So go Bills. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I've... uh, Actually, this is a true pick here for me. I I picked the Ravens, and uh, I'm sticking with it. I there were some things I liked and some things I didn't like from the game against the Titans for the Ravens defense. Um, the fact that they were able to stop Derrick Henry was great. I didn't think they would have that much success against him. The problem is that's not the Bills' strength. They're obviously a passing team first, so that's not really going to be. They're going to have to totally like change the game plan that they had 
uh, because they're going up against a very different type of team with the Bills, like the opposite of the Titans on offense. And then really the big matchup that I'm looking forward to and seeing how it goes, and it's something that they're going to have to, I think this would give them the best chance to win really is like shutting down Stefan Diggs at all costs, like um, double teaming him, having uh, Humphrey and Peters, um, the corners for the Ravens and a safety shadowing. Like they're going to have to like do things to Diggs to really make him not get over a hundred yards uh, because he's so good. I, and he exceeded uh, my expectations. I thought he would be good with the bills, but I didn't, ever think he'd be this good with the bills and that's the biggest part of their offense and if you if you can take away digs or at least limit him so he doesn't uh burn you every play then you have a much more favorable matchup with the rest of the bills offensive skill players and you're gonna have to get a pass rush which i didn't see a whole lot of honestly against tennessee which is fine because that they were geared to stopping the run that was what they were selling out for but they're going to have to get a pass rush and make it uncomfortable for Josh Allen, I think, um, defensively. And then offensively, um, it's obviously Connor's already stated what it's going to come down to. And Lamar Jackson, I think, is going to have to need – he's going to need to have um, two or three big runs like he had in the Titans game where he just takes off and nobody can catch him like – whether it's even it doesn't even have to be for a touchdown just like something to bail them out on like a third long where nobody's open um or he can't throw like because honestly he's not as good of a thrower as he was last year so um if he's not able to throw for the first down he has to be able to use his legs and succeed that way um so it's gonna he's gonna need a lot of key run plays and then they're just gonna keep running the ball, I think, because that's the weakness of the Bills' defense, like Connor highlighted. It's definitely their, the weakest part. We saw what Jonathan Taylor was doing to them last week and other teams have done before. So they're going to need to run the ball, do classic Ravens things, run the ball, play defense, and Lamar is going to have to be big in the run game as well. Uh, but this is going to be a good matchup too. Like, but These are all good matchups, I think, except for one of the NFC games, but we'll get to that in a second. Um <laughs> Hint, yeah, so, hint, wink, wink. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll transition now and go over to the to the NFC and talk about those games now. Um, so we've got the Rams and the Packers. The Rams were the big surprise of the weekend. Um, this is the biggest upset I think that happened, and they they ended up beating the Seahawks in Seattle, which was the first time in a long time somebody had done that in the playoffs. No twelfth man, obviously, so a little different. But now they have a road trip to Green Bay. So we got Rams and Packers here for in the divisional round. And despite some of the anti-Packers bias we have on our crew, uh, all, four of, <laughs> all four of us are taking the Packers. Um, I'm put in the tough spot where I'm going to be rooting for them this week because uh, we have the Rams draft pick. But um, let's hear from Nate first uh, for the favorite side and talk about Green Bay. What's going to be the X factors for them against the Rams in this game, Nate? Yeah, so I mean, for me, obviously I picked Green Bay. I think they have, um, I think overall the roster is, to me, has been more talented this year. I think the most obvious X factor is Aaron Rodgers. I mean, outside of um, maybe Patrick Mahomes, I don't think there's obviously a more talented quarterback in the NFL right now. Um, he's a guy that can really take over games and 
Um, he can keep the Packers in it, you know, basically on, on his own, um, it seems like. So I think if he comes out and plays, uh, you know, like the Aaron Rodgers we all know, I think they definitely have a very good shot at this. Um, the other thing is um, that Green Bay defense, too, is um, if they can step up and it's not um, – LA hasn't had a terrifying offense this year. You know, they're by no means are they like Kansas City or Buffalo or anything like that. But um, if Green Bay's defense can step up, um, that's a that'd be a huge thing for them as well. Um, but really, this shouldn't be. You don't like to say this because visual round of the playoffs, you don't want to write anybody out. You know, since they got this far, but um, this shouldn't be. Too, I wouldn't think too tough of a matchup though, just because. You know what LA has gone through with their quarterback situation, all the injuries there. Um, Aaron Donald seems like he's going to play, but um, he's obviously banged up. He might not be 100%. Um, so if you know those injuries kind of catch up to LA, it could be uh, a tough one for them. So I like, I definitely like Green Bay. Obviously, the reason we all chose them, but um, interested to see um, the argument for uh, LA here. Yeah, so Connor, go ahead and uh, spill the devil's advocate for the L.A. Rams to win this. Yeah, this was definitely, out of all the cases that are being made here, this was definitely the toughest one to come up with. Um, But I think the big key for the Rams in this game is they're really, in a way, in a way, I think that they actually do match up with Green Bay quite well. Um, The fact that Green Bay's obvious biggest weakness, same as the Bills, the Green Bay is terrible run defense. So the Rams are really going to have to take advantage of that when they um, go to the game because obviously Jared Goff is banged up. Apparently, Wolford like might end up playing. I don't know. I was like reading an article about you know the Rams and their injury situation, and apparently they said that Wolford only had a stinger, which I mean it looked like he almost had a broken neck or something. He went to the hospital, so I feel like you don't go to the hospital for just a stinger. So. Who knows there, but obviously Jared Goff still has the thumb issue, but they're really going to have, you know, Cam Akers and Malcolm Brown need to feast on this poor Green Bay run defense because we all know that, I mean, it was evident in the Seattle game that Jared Goff isn't going to be able to complete a lot of throws. Um, I think he, he threw it under 20 times in that game, and he only completed probably around seven or eight of his throws, so... Um, definitely going to need to rely on that run game. Um, you know, they're possibly going to be without Cooper Cup if they can get in the into the passing game it's going to be difficult for them because obviously the strength of the Green Bay defense is the secondary and Cooper Cup is banged up and Robert Woods can't do everything on his own so um, it's really just going to be the offensive line and the run game the offensive line needs to open up holes for the run game and they need to keep Jared Goff clean because if he has time I think he can honestly you know possibly complete some passes but he needs that he needs that time he needs to be able to set his feet and find the open receiver rather than doing these rollouts and then honestly even without Aaron Donald obviously Aaron Donald's hoping to play um but who knows if he will or not but if he does play even without him the Rams defense has still shown that they've they are a really good defense um it's pro- they're probably one of the most underrated defenses I think going into this going into I the think, playoffs. I think they were. they were they were statistically the best I want to say actually in the whole NFL. Yeah, this they were. Season. One, I mean, it was, they were one of those defenses, like you said, that they're one of those defenses that fly under the radar, where like they actually are really good, but no one really talks about them because the Rams weren't a fantastic team this year, so people just kind of forgot about them. Like all the hype was going to like the Ravens and the Steelers and the Colts and all these teams that were you know 
doing really fan the Buccaneers, these teams that have big names on the defense that were looking fantastic and the teams were doing fantastic. So they got all the credit, but the Rams have a fantastic defense that no one really talks about. So um, really they just have to keep Aaron Rodgers in check. Um, they did a really fantastic job of stopping Russell Wilson last week. Um, obviously the C- the Seahawks have a terrible offensive line and the Packers have a little bit better of an offensive line. Um, they're definitely going to have to take advantage of that left tackle spot with David Bakhtiari not being there. That's a huge hole on the Green Bay offensive line, losing him. So um, they're just going to have to get get after Aaron Rodgers like they did against Russell Wilson and just hope that they can score some points on offense. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely a hard case to make, but it's. It's possible. Never say yeah. never. <laughs> well, there's that um, with this game. Actually, there's a matchup a lot of people are looking forward to seeing, which is Devonte Adams against Ramsey. So I wonder if you guys have any opinions on who you think would win. Who's going to win that matchup? Uh, is Adams going to go off like he has all season, or Ramsey, who's been shutting people down? Uh, is he going to get the better of him? What do you guys uh, think about that? Start with, uh, I guess, Eric, since he hasn't talked yet. Um, yeah, that, that's going to be a hell of a matchup <laughs> for sure, man. Like I, I, that's going to be, that's probably going to be the most exciting thing about this game. And, and obviously I'm more of a Ramsey hater since, uh, he was on my Jags and kind of a big Devonte Adams fan right now, since he was the best thing about my fantasy team. But I, uh, I think Ramsey's going to hold him in check though. I, I think, I mean, obviously Adam's going to get some catches. Like he's not going to completely shut him down, but it, it's going to be a okay game for Adams, I think, but he's not, I highly doubt he's going to be putting up these numbers that we've been seeing him get where he gets like 10 catches for 150 yards and two touchdowns. Like he's not going to have that big of a game. If I, I'll say Ramsey keeps him in check to something like, six catches for 74 yards i'll say that that's my prediction <laughs> okay we'll see I'll, I'll remember that in the six for 74 right okay we'll see yeah write it down, uh, write it down. <laughs> got it down i got it down uh yeah uh, connor what about you um with the ramsey adams matchup uh where do you stand yeah i think jalen ramsey will be able to hold him in check um you know jalen ramsey really has like you said he's kind of had a bit of a resurgence this year um he really was looking like a fool last year after the way that he left Jacksonville. And, you know, he was going back to his old notion of talking crap about everybody. And then he just kept getting burned, like, especially in that Ravens game where he had the whole incident where he tried to, like, he tried to fight, I'm using quotation marks, fight Marcus Peters, um, and he had to be carried off the field. So he's definitely had a resurgence this year, but I think he can keep him in check. The biggest thing, obviously, for the Rams' sake to help him out is they got to get that pass rush going. If they can get that pass rush going, then I definitely think he holds Adams in check. Um, but if the Rams are starting to struggle there, then I'd probably lean more to what Eric was saying, like six or seven catches for like like 80 yards. But if the Rams can get that pass rush going, then I could see Ramsey holding him to something like three catches for 40 yards. Okay. And then we'll end with Nate here. Uh, where do you stand, Nate, with this uh, matchup? Yeah, I mean, this is definitely one that I was I'm looking forward to. I think um, Ramsey looked great. He surprised me with uh, Metcalf uh, yesterday, just because that guy is hard to uh, stick with just physically. But I think um, if anyone can stick with Adams right now, it'd be him. So I think 
Um, he's not going to shut him down. I think Adams is too good for that, especially with Rodgers playing. But um, I could see, like, you know, 50, 60 yards, you know, four or five catches for 60 yards for um, Adams. I think Rodgers, they're, they're uh, sorry, they're definitely going to have to get other guys involved um, for Green Bay. I'll say that for sure. Yeah. See, I actually, um, I'm actually going to end up being the the most excited for Adams in this because um, the Rams secondary as a whole is good. So it's not like Ramsey doesn't have the effect of like a shutdown corner as in the guy from across him on the other side of the field is weak. So I think the ball will be spread around and that will help Adams. I think I do think he gets over 100 at the end of the day just because he's been too good this year. He's been a top three receiver. So I'm going to. I'm going to side with the wide receiver in this matchup, but you know, you never know. Well, um, hey, you know, if the right. Packers, yeah, <laughs> if the Packers end up spreading it around, then you know we'll get to hear some of those awesome names that the Green Bay receivers have, like Equamius St. Brown yeah. and Marquez Valdez Scantlin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Alan Lazard. <laughs> um, so now in the final playoff matchup here, we have Buccaneers versus Saints Part Three, and I saw an interesting stat on Twitter, which was something I'd been wondering too. Um, so the percentage for the instances where teams meet for the third time and the third time in the playoffs, um, the, since the saints went two and O against the Buccaneers in those matchups in the playoffs, the team that went two and O is 65%, um, to win the third in the playoffs, which was honestly better than I was thinking. Uh, so that I think gives the Buccaneers better uh, chances than what I would have thought that percentages would have been. But we'll start with the favorites and listen to Eric talk about the X factors for the Saints in this uh, three-peat of a game. Yeah, this is definitely probably the matchup that I'm most excited to watch. Uh, we've been hyping up these two teams since before <laughs> the season even started. Uh so we had the pleasure. Nate and I had the pleasure of popping some cop- popcorn while uh, Zach and Connor broke down these teams before the season. So um, I'm definitely excited for this game. And the Saints, uh, they just need to do what they've done in both of the games against Tom Brady, and that's force pressure, forcing to make bad throws, and the two games that they played against each other already. The Saints got three sacks on Brady in each of those games. And uh, he had one interception in the first game and three in the second game, which was a, which was a blowout. But I guess one key for the Saints, like not necessarily related to on the field though, and stuff like that, that they need to do is they need to, they need to make sure that they do not get overconfident. Uh, I don't think they will, but, you know, you see that happen sometimes where teams like they've beaten the team before. They oh, oh Steelers, <laughs> yeah, the, the Browns are the Browns. Like I, Connor, will get into that later. But you know, like just and there and it's happened like all throughout sports history where you see this happen: a team beats a team, and then they think it's going to be a cakewalk the next time, and then they don't they don't come fully prepared, and then they lose. So I uh, that's probably my first takeaway for this game and then as I said the defense uh, if they can keep rattling Brady and force him to make mistakes like they've done in the previous games their defense has been insanely good this year and if they do that then 
I think the Saints should win. But my probably actually my biggest X factor for this game, and you wouldn't necessarily think of this as being a X factor with the way he's played this year, but Alvin Kamara is going to need to have a good game because despite the fact my that dude, Saints, <laughs> yeah, d- despite the fact that the Saints won both games against the Bucks, Alvin Kamara did not get it going in either game. So I think if the Saints can keep doing what they've been doing on defense against the Bucks, and if Alvin Kamara can go, you know, play the way he's played the majority of the season, then I think the Saints should win the game pretty easily. But if Kamara struggles again, or if the Saints have a bit of a letdown on defense and let Brady get going, because we've seen Tom Brady's been really interesting this year because he's had some games where he lights it up and he throws like five touchdowns for 300 plus yards and all this stuff. And then you have other games where he kind of gets shut down and he looks terrible. So they, they got to make sure they don't let the, you know, six time Super Bowl champion Tom Brady show up to the game. Like they, they got it. They can't let that Tom Brady get going. They need to force him into mistakes early uh, get him frustrated, get some turnovers, get some sacks, and then get the get, get the run game going. Kind of like what Zach talked about with the Chiefs, you know, with as with as potent of an offense as the Bucks have, you you don't want to you want to limit their possessions. You want to you want to get ahead early so you can keep the run game going. You want to force them to play from behind and force them to have to constantly throw and not have a balanced attack. Uh, but yeah, this is going to be a great game. I'm excited for it. I, uh, I, as a Drew Brees fan, I will be. I'm picking the Saints to win, but I will also be rooting for them. So, hopefully, they can. Uh, they won the first two, but hopefully, they can win the one that matters the most here in the playoffs. Yeah, definitely, this one matters more than the other two combined. Uh, yeah, Nate, <laughs> Nate, uh, Nate, you have the case for the Buccaneers here. Make me proud uh, in your uh, analysis <laughs> and uh, your X factors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i mean this is um one that I'm, I'm really interested in because the last two times out um the bucks did not look great versus saints especially the second game um and i think for me the biggest x factor is really the um gonna be the bucks o-line versus the saints defense i mean the last time out, the Saints sacked Brady like seven or eight times. I think they, you know, Bucks scored three points. Uh, Brady just did not look like himself. He, I mean, he gets the ball out fast, and he couldn't even, you know, get it out before the pass rush, pass rushers getting there. So if that, um, I know that O line for Tampa Bay is kind of young, kind of, you know, not the best, but if they can hold in there versus those guys for the Saints, that's gonna, um, be huge for Brady, especially now that he does have better chemistry with all those guys around him. So. I think getting the ball out faster when he needs to is going to be less of an issue this time. I mean, he's now he's throwing to um, Evans, Godwin, um, who he's been practicing with now and playing with for a whole season. And uh, he's got Gronk up to speed. He's got AB now. So I think it's um, going to be more even, I think, offensively. I think they're both going to put up um, some solid scores here. But, um, yeah, that's really the big key for me is that, you know, New Orleans looked pretty – average i thought in the you know limited amount of that nickelodeon game <laughs> i saw versus the bears <laughs> the bears i think um hang around for too long in that one um so i think uh tampa bay's in a good spot it's really just you know 
uh, keep Brady up on his feet. Um, basically, what I said last week, I think I said the same thing about uh, the against the Washington game. But um, as long as they can keep Brady upright and getting the ball out of his hands, I think they um, definitely can put up enough, enough points to get past uh, the Saints here. Yeah, that's, that's definitely, I think, the first thing that I would have said um, for the Buccaneers is they got to keep Brady upright. And um, I think the evolution of the offensive line, too, is uh, has been a good thing for the Bucs. They've been getting better and better. And uh, they played Washington and had they have a great front four and held their own against them. So we'll see if they can do the same with uh, New Orleans. That's definitely a big matchup in the game well, to watch. Well, I definitely think, too, you know, the biggest thing in these these games like this one where you've got teams that are playing each other for the third time, especially when you're in a situation like the Buccaneers are in, it's really just a question of like, have you learned anything? What did you learn? Have you learned how to change around your team? Have you learned to fix your mistakes against this team? Because, you know, obviously also we've, we've mentioned it a couple times that that second game was 38 to three, obviously a big blowout, but I know it obviously doesn't mean as much this year, but that game also happened in Tampa Bay, that 38 to three blowout. It wasn't like, you know, the 30 to 24 or 35 to 24 win in week one was in Tampa Bay. And then that blowout was in New Orleans. No, the blowout happened in Tampa Bay. So it's really going to be interesting to see how the Buccaneers, how they change around their team, because I definitely agree with Eric that they have to get the running game going because the last game they had eight yards rushing all game. Like they pretty much abandoned the running game right from the start. I mean, they literally only had five carries the whole game. Like Rojo had three and then one for Fournette and one for Blaine Gabbard, of all people, which I don't know what he was doing carrying the football, but... Yeah. Um, so definitely, you need to run the ball more than five times uh, against this team. So it's going to be really interesting to see the evolution of these two teams, and it's all going to come to head. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, that's going to wrap up the analysis and X-Factors for the divisional round and the four games that we'll see this upcoming weekend. But... Let's turn it over now and talk about really a couple teams that lost uh, over the weekend that have now joined the other um, 18 or so teams that didn't make the playoffs. So I'll just go ahead and let um, we have Juju up here as a topic because I thought the stuff he said was interesting before the game and uh, how his team didn't back up his performance there is what he said off the field. But um, I'll just let Connor just have a general rant about the Steelers, their fans, and everything. Uh, everything that he wants to say. This is uh, this is your air, air. Let it all out, man. Vent, bro. Vent, bro. Listen. Air your grievances. Yeah, yeah. No. I mean, I guess I'll just briefly talk about the Juju thing. Um, you know, he had the issue this earlier this season where he was dancing on the team's logos, and you know, I can't even remember when that started. It seemed to me like it only I only really started hearing about it when we were losing games. So I don't know if he started at the beginning of the year or if he started it kind of halfway through, maybe around when the Dallas game started, since that's the big thing for teams when they go into Cowboy Stadium. Like, you got to do some kind of celebration on the start as, like, you know, an FU to the Cowboys. But um, so obviously there was that problem. And then after the Cincinnati loss, Mike Tomlin shut it down and was like, no, you're not doing that anymore. Like, you know, we're not doing this. We're, this is this is not who we are. Um, but then, obviously, he came back in before the Browns game. And, you know, I mean, I could get being a little confident, given the fact that, again, in Week 17, the Browns barely beat the Steelers practice squad, basically. Um, but, you know, you can't be overconfident to the point of just calling them the Browns and saying this is going to be a cakewalk. 
Um, you know, it is still the playoffs. There's no easy games in the playoffs. I mean, I think we saw that really throughout these games. I mean, the Colts really gave the Bills a game when no one thought that was going to be a game. The Rams managed to beat the Seahawks. And then um, obviously the Washington football team gave the Buccaneers more of a game than any of us thought they were going to give them. So there's no easy games in the playoffs. There's no blowouts that happen for the most part. Um, and to go in there saying that, you know, the Browns are the Browns, Browns are going to Brown, like, you know, we're just going to roll over them is not the correct attitude to have, especially for Juju going into this season when he's going to be a free agent. Um, you know, the Steelers already have plenty of wide receiver talent around them, and they have a bit of a history of, you know, <clears throat> their players causing drama with Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. And, you know, the Steelers thought they had really put that behind them and that Juju was just going to be, you know, he was going to be A.B.'s replacement. He was going to be a better version of A.B., but, you know, we see, like, he's kind of morphing into that a little bit. I still, I still definitely wouldn't put him on the level of Bell or A.B. I think he's just a young and somewhat stupid player and you know when he's going out making tiktoks and doing this um he just needs to mature more honestly um but the main thing that i wanted to talk about with this rant is because obviously i could talk about what happened with the steelers in that game and how you know the snap at the beginning of the game like an exchange between an all pro center and a six foot five quarterback and somehow the ball goes 20 yards backwards into the end zone um you know I could have made that snap better than Marquise Pouncey did. And Ben is not a small guy. I don't know how you miss Ben Roethlisberger snapping the ball to him. But if there's one quarterback that's the biggest target in the league, it's him. So, And obviously, you know, Ben had four interceptions, a couple of which weren't his fault. Um, and then obviously the defense, just the supposed best defense in the league, couldn't stop anything last night. And didn't even get to, you know, this team that's led the league in sacks the past four years couldn't even get like a pass rush on, couldn't even get like a quarterback hurry on Baker Mayfield all night. So even with the Browns having a banged up offensive line. So, um, but yeah, the main thing I wanted to talk about was their fans. The fans of the Pittsburgh Steelers are just some of the whiniest crybabies I have ever seen on social media in my entire life. Like, this is even worse than maybe not even worse, but it seems to me like it's right there on the level with some of these people on Facebook who are like still complaining about the election in November, like saying that it was fraudulent and blah, 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 blah. But that's a discussion for a different podcast. But it seems to me like the Steelers fans are right on that level. Like every time something goes bad for them, even when there's something not going bad for them, even when we were 11 and 0, the Steelers fans were still finding reasons to complain like, Oh, you know, this could be better. Like, Oh, we don't like, they would say we, our run game sucks when like we'd have a game where James Conner would go out and get a hundred yards and they'd still find a way to say our run game sucked. It's like, how do, how do you mean our run game sucked? Like Conner had a hundred yards rushing. Like <laughs> that's not sucking. Or, you know, even after we would go out and like blow someone out, they'd be like, Oh, well, you know, this is like a one-time thing. And, you know, we still need to fire Tomlin. He's still an idiot. And, you know, Randy Feekner's an idiot, and the Kevin Colbert's an idiot, and we need to just fire everybody, and blah, 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 blah. And this fan base, it's just, the fact that this fan base has been so spoiled with success. I mean, we, Zach and, and I were talking about this in our group chat, the fact that a, a few, well, it's, it was a while ago, but back, if you remember, in the NFL draft, we had a kind of a similar thing talking about Packers fans with their quarterback situation, how they were complaining about, you know, oh, well, 
it's time for Aaron Rodgers to move on. And, you know, this quarterback situation sucks and it's blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, you can't name another team in the NFL that in the last 30 years, they only have had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. There's no other teams in the NFL that have even come close to that. And, I mean, if you look at teams like the Browns and the Bills who have gone through like 20 quarterbacks at this point, you know, they would have killed to have had a situation like the Packers have had. And there's a lot of fan bases and a lot of teams that would have killed to have the success that the Steelers have had. I mean, you know, the still going to be tied for most in Super Bowls. You know, the Patriots aren't breaking that this year because they didn't make it. So you're still going to have six Super Bowls. And, you know, okay, so yeah, it kind of sucks that a team that has expectations and it's been 12 seasons now since we won a Super Bowl. But when you go back and look at that, that's still more recently than over two, uh, not over two thirds, about two thirds of the league. And when you think about some of those two thirds of those teams that the Steelers have won a Super Bowl more recently, then a fair amount of those teams haven't even won one. And, you know, some of them haven't even made it. If you're looking at teams like the Lions and the Jaguars and the Browns, you know, teams that haven't even made it to the Super Bowl. So it's definitely a horrible situation when you're looking at it from a fan standpoint, but to just go out and whine constantly that, Oh, like the, you know, it's all, it's all Mike Tomlin's fault. That's what it's always Mike Tomlin's fault. Like it could be cold outside and it's Mike Tomlin's fault and we need to go fire Mike Tomlin. Like, or, you know, the, someone ate the last cookie in the fridge. So now we need to go fire Mike Tomlin. Like it's always fire Mike Tomlin. Who else are you going to go out and hire at this point? Like, are you going to go hire Doug Marone? Adam Gase, like all these all these coaches that just got fired, like are you Sorry, really gonna dude. go? No. <laughs> it is pretty funny. Dude, Doug yeah. Marone is a genius, bro. <laughs> Doug Marone is a genius. Hire like, him right now, right now. Yeah, it's like, are you gonna go out and hire one of them over a coach who, in his 14 seasons in the NFL, is yet to have a single losing season? I mean, and also that's the thing too. If you look at the Steelers since that, you know, it's been 12 seasons since they won the Super Bowl. Seven out of seven of those seasons, they still made the playoffs in a couple AFC championship game bursts. And, you know, again, going back to the thing with other teams, there's a lot of teams that haven't made the playoffs once in that stretch. You know, I mean, like the Buccaneers and the Browns are just now getting back into the playoffs. They hadn't made the playoffs at all in that stretch. You know, then there's teams like the Lions and probably I'm kind of blanking here, like the Lions and the Cardinals who really only made it like once during that stretch. So and it's like the Steelers fans in their head, it seems like every season for them, it's Super Bowl or bust, Super Bowl or bust. If there's not a Super Bowl, then we need to overhaul everything. And why haven't we overhauled everything yet? You know, we should be overhauling everything. And it's just like, you can't have that expectation, especially for this team, I will say. This team, as a Steelers fan, obviously it didn't end very well last night. But Overall, looking at this season, I'm actually quite happy with where the team ended up this year. You know, we were coming into a season, we'd just come off a 500 finish, you know, uncertainty whether Ben was, like, what was Ben Roethlisberger going to look like? You know, what was this team going to look like? Was the defense going to be as good as it was last year? And, you know, at the beginning of the season, I was never one to say before the season started that the Steelers were going to win the Super Bowl. I didn't even think they were going to make the Super Bowl this year. You know, I know when we went back and did our NFL preview, talking about we had, like, you know, the top 10 teams going into the season, pretty sure I had the Steelers at, like, nine on that list. So I had eight yeah, teams yeah, yeah. that I could name that had a better chance at making the Super Bowl than the Steelers. And yet, of course, all these Steelers fans are out here thinking, like, we're the best team in the league. We're better than Kansas City. And, 
you know, we're better than San Francisco and better than Baltimore. And then, of course, we lose one game and it's like, or we, you know, maybe not lose one game since we started 11-0, but like Ben Roethlisberger has one bad game and it's like, oh, time for Ben Roethlisberger to retire and fire Mike Tomlin. Like, this isn't how we're going to win the Super Bowl. And it's like, you should be happy that a team that came off a 500 season and had lost their quarterback for the whole season came in, you know, with uncertain, major uncertainties on offense. You should be happy that we came out of this season with a division championship and made the playoffs. You know, like I said, obviously it didn't end the way that we wanted it to, but just be happy with what you have and be happy that, you know, while you didn't win the Super Bowl this year, that this team has at least had success. Unlike, you know, I mean, Zach and Eric on here are good examples of fans that haven't gotten to taste success for their team yet. So just be happy that you're part of that lucky bunch of fans that has gotten to see your team win a Super Bowl in your lifetime and two even you know, since they won a Super Bowl three years before that. So the Steelers fans just need to, I don't know, we need to kind of have like a purge, it seems to me, with our fans. They just, you know, especially the ones on social media, just find all those ones on social media that are, you know, being like, fire Tom and all that, and they just need to be, we don't need y'all. Y'all can go, like, even on Facebook, there was this one guy that I saw on Facebook who apparently was a Steelers fan, and literally after that game, he was so upset and like called it a disgrace that he changed his fanship to the Baltimore Ravens. I was like, I mean like, and I didn't believe him too. I thought he was just trolling, but I went on his Facebook and literally like, you know, two hours before he made that post, he had changed all his stuff, all his pictures and stuff to Ravens stuff. Whereas before that it had all been Steelers stuff. So, you know, it just seems to me like the Steelers have a bunch of these, you know, fair weather bandwagon fans that the only reason why they're here, kind of like some of these Cowboys fans that like the only reason why they're here is because of past successes. And then they get all angry when like they're not having success now. So just purge the fan base. Don't (laughs) purge the team, purge the fan base. And y'all, I don't even know what to say anymore. I just say for you, uh, for for you Steelers fans out there, do you know how much people like Zach and I as Jags fans, you know like how much we would like kill to have even just a fraction of the success y'all have had in the last <laughs> well, hey, I, I years? Can, I can do you one better. <laughs> Talking about my dad, who, you know, being 50, being a Bills fan for 53 years, you know, don't you think the Buffalo Bills and their fans – who, you know, when they went to, when saw them go to four Super Bowls and lose, or like Detroit Lions fans, Atlanta Falcons fans, LA Chargers fans, these teams that have been around forever that have yet to win anything, Minnesota Vikings, you know, yeah. they would just yeah, kill, incredible. like you said, a, to have a fraction of the success that this team has had. And, you know, I don't see their fans being out here yeah. being whiny crybabies. You know, my dad never once is, you know, complained extensively on social media about the Buffalo Bills like and lord knows they've had some yeah. bad years so you guys um you guys this year had more wins than the Jaguars the last 3 seasons combined like right uh, if the if the Jags win one Super Bowl in my lifetime I can buy the hat the t-shirt and the DVD <laughs> set and I can die happy okay like <laughs> I, okay so we'll, we'll wrap this up here um cuz we got other things to talk about but I definitely think um, if the Steelers have like a fan contest or something, like they need to give Connor the award because he's honestly uh, the most rational and like realistic and normal Steelers fan I've ever met. <laughs> and like, 
and you know there's questions of how you became a fan of the team you know we've talked about that before but the fact that you you know you're not a bad fan that's for sure so uh <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you should definitely get that award because i know i saw some um i have a follower who's who won the dolphins fan of the year award so whenever they do that contest i'll i'll nominate you <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, yeah so uh moving on now we got two quarterbacks to talk about and two totally different um types of quarterbacks here the number two overall pick trubisky and the xfl backup heineke um so we'll start with trubisky hey, he, he, he led the alliance of american football league in passing yards <laughs> oh, <okay>. though <laughs> uh, but we'll start with trubisky and the big question around him is the fifth year option was not picked up so he'll be a free agent um the question is what are the bears gonna do and i've been thinking about it and personally i'm on the side that they don't bring him back i don't think they will um and i know nate is as well so nate you can uh join the conversation and say why you think the bears are gonna move on from trubisky and this was his last game ever in a bears uniform yeah i mean i think it's just time to do it it's people have been talking about it for you know, since before this season, even going back to last season, uh, when they brought in uh, Nick Foles over the off season, it was just you know it's kind of been a while coming. He hasn't proved himself since he came into the league. Um, you know, it was especially with uh, the hindsight of you know you picked him number two when you had uh, Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes um, further down the draft board, and uh, I think it's just Chicago. Um, you know, I think a lot of guys have their jobs on the line there, obviously and they got to um, do something to try and move forward and put the team in a new direction. Um, I don't think he's obviously going to flame out of the league entirely. I think he has enough um, tools there. Obviously, he's a big, you know, prototypical guy. He can move. He can, you know, has the arm strength. It's just putting it all together he's had issues with. So I think he can sign somewhere. He might be a backup. Um, maybe we'll see if he can put that uh, potential together. But um, I think it's more than time for Chicago to uh I think they've, they've seen enough out of him I feel like to know that it's time to move on I think they just gotta uh pull the plug and look for um you know either draft somebody or sign somebody and uh find someone they can try and build a new team around yeah um so back over now to Connor uh you feel differently about this you think uh the Browns bring him back right yeah or um... not the Browns the Bears I mean. <laughs> well I will say before I say my argument about uh trubisky i will the you know we've mentioned this nickelodeon game a couple times on the podcast tonight but uh what in the world was uh the nickelodeon voting based thinking for Mitchell <laughs> trubisky got the mvp of that game from nickelodeon <laughs> yeah that, well, when i saw that i was like uh <laughs> you put mvp winner on his resume well, now <laughs> well it was funny too because like the top three vote getters and that were all bears players too it was like trubisky uh like robinson and khalil mack were like the top three vote getters i'm like do, you, do these people like i know these are just kids for the most part but it's like do they not realize the saints are the ones winning this game like <laughs> um yeah, that was but odd. yeah but yeah so i think the reason why I say he's going to come back is because, one, I don't see a lot of viable options for the Bears in terms of how they're going to replace him. Because, um, And I'm saying that because Nick Foles, like they brought in Nick Foles this year, and he kind of proved that, you know, he's not at all starting quarterback material. Um, you know, it's kind of the question that 
team that pe- the analysts and teams have keep trying to pose like, oh, can Nick Foles like be a starting quarterback? And I think he's proven time and time again, like the, when the, when he started the year that one season when Carson Wentz was hurt, and then you know the few games that he had in Jacksonville, and then the year the games that he had this year in Chicago, that Nick Foles just isn't the answer for any team at starting quarterback. Uh, great quarterback in the playoffs, uh, coming off the bench, but terrible starting quarterback. So. And that's the thing, the fact that the Bears finished 8-8 eight and eight this year and ended up making the playoffs, they're not going to get a, you know, a, a high draft pick this year. They're going to be picking somewhere around the, I can't remember what exactly their pick was, but they're going to be picking somewhere around like 18-19, which yeah. usually isn't great for picking quarterbacks in the draft because we all know, you know Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are going to be off the board at the beginning. Zach Wilson will be off the board by that point. And, you know, honestly... Kyle Trask might be off the board by that point too. So, um, you know, they could take Mac Jones if they wanted to, but I just don't think that Mac Jones, I think a lot of you guys probably agree with me that I don't think Mac Jones is really going to be anything special at all in the NFL. Um, he's surrounded by tons of talent at Alabama that kind of make him look good. So, um, you know, I just, and also I'm not sure who they'd go out and get in free agency at this point. So, I think Mitchell would be willing to take a pay cut so they can kind of get him back for maybe a little bit cheaper because he was the number two overall pick. So his starting contract was pretty high, um, even for a rookie. So they could probably get him back at a pretty reasonable price. And I think he also, I'm not saying that this proves that he's a good quarterback or anything, but I think he kind of proved to them that he can do it in a way with the way that he played over the end of the regular season. He actually played pretty well. And those last four or five games of the regular season, um, you know, he wasn't making the mistakes. He was managing the game well, and the Bears were winning a fair amount of those games. So, um, like I said, just lack of viable options and a cheap price tag and slight flashes of good things are why I think the Bears are <laughs> going to bring Mitchell Trubisky back. All right. Yeah. So now uh, well, let's talk about Heineke to end the show. Um, and Eric and I will talk about him. We are. I think we're all in agreement that we don't think Heineke will end up being the starter. But um, since Eric and I were Jags fans, and I'll ask him, uh, since you watched like the end of the game and you saw like the team kind of rally behind him and everything, is there any comparisons that you have to Heineke with Gardner Minshew, um, with like a flash in the pan success, and then um, next year he's the starting quarterback all of a sudden? I know Minshew had much more um, of a resume than Heineke has, but I mean, Heineke did play pretty well on that. Do you see any like similarities between the two guys? Not necessarily in their play, but just like the coming out of nowhere sort of thing. Yeah, I mean this this definitely came out of nowhere for me. I mean i I already figured the Bucks were going to win that game, uh, but then especially when I found out Alex Smith wasn't going to play, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be a, a cakewalk." And but then like I was finishing up my shift at work and saw uh that the football team had just scored and got it within like two points and i was like whoa they're making a game out of this and i he had like a gutsy run and uh kind of got hurt on it i guess but then you could tell his teammates really rallied around him in that moment and it, it was a very similar thing when um nick Foles got hurt in week one last year and it seemed like, oh, it was all doom and gloom for the Jags. But then Minshew came in and put in a strong performance and had a gutsy performance against the Texans in week two. And then eventually that 
win they got against the Broncos. And it was, you could tell it was the same thing. I mean, the Jaguars, you know, his Minshew's teammates really rallied around him in that moment. And it's a cool thing to see. You always, you always love to see in a game when a player like plays with their heart and gives it their all and literally does everything they can to try to win, even if they're not successful. Like they, they lay it all on the line and they fight for every inch, every yard, you know, they, they go all out and you, you like to see that. And I I give, I definitely give respect to him for coming back into the game because he had to go to the locker room and it was questionable if he was going to come back. And, but he came back out there and you could tell it kind of gave the team a spark and he was able to go down and get a touchdown drive. And unfortunately it wasn't uh, enough that they didn't have quite enough time at the end, but it, it made it for an exciting game. And yeah, like Zach said, we're all in agreement. He's probably not going to be the starter or anything, but he could be a good backup for them. And if he keeps, you know, putting in the work, like who knows, like maybe one day uh, in the future, Maybe something will happen with him. Who knows? And I just wanted to say something real quick, too, about the mm-hmm. Mitchell Trubisky thing. I mean, I, I'm kind of more on the side where I don't know if they're going to bring him back or not. But in my opinion, they definitely shouldn't. Uh, the guy sucks. Uh, he can't <laughs> he can't read defenses. And this year, he had a couple you know, good games where he was hitting some throws. But I felt like his accuracy was even worse this year, too, because his problem before what it wasn't always that he was like inaccurate or couldn't, you know, make the throws. The problem was he couldn't see where to throw the ball. But then this year, like in the couple of games I watched and some of that game against the Saints, I mean, he was just making some awful throws. I I don't know, man. I I don't know if the Bears bring him back. I don't know what they see in him. I I feel like <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Nick Foles isn't very good either, but I rather just keep him and then maybe you know move up in the draft or do something like the, the, like Mitch Trubisky sucks okay so yeah <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> hopefully uh Sam Howell can redeem the uh UNC quarterbacks uh <laughs> next season yeah <laughs> yeah and all the Bears um, fans are like they need to fire Matt Nagy like no you need to fire, <laughs> you need to fire Mitchell Trubisky because <laughs> yeah I, seriously like how how is any coach any coach supposed to be successful with this bomb as your quarterback okay yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm done now <laughs> yeah all right um yeah so back to the Heineke thing I I'm in agreement um, with Eric how similar this feels to the Minshew thing, but this I did put the overreaction Monday uh, picture up on here because I think a lot of people are really overreacting to this, and I think at the I think he will get like a shot to compete for the job next year. Like he's definitely going to be back with the team, um, and I think he earned a right to be able to try to get the starting job next year, but. Um, and also, too, I don't think Alex Smith is going to be able to play again. I don't know. He might, um, but still, he wasn't very, I mean, talk about not being mobile. Like, uh, I won't make any jokes or anything, but he's not very mobile. Um, and the as far as, like, there's actually a lot of potential quarterbacks that could be traded in the offseason. And, like, Sam Darnold, Carson Wentz are two prominent ones that come to mind, and like they're getting traded for a reason, obviously. Deshaun Watson, also too, I didn't even think of, but um, that'd be pretty crazy if he went to the Washington football team, Deshaun Watson. But uh, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take for a trade to happen, but they're going to be in contention for a trade. 
I would expect them to either sign a quarterback, trade a quarter, trade for one, or draft one, and that person will have the advantage. And Heineke is going to have to beat them out, but uh, he could definitely do it. I just, it's just to me, I we experienced this last year as Jags fans. We got all hyped up about Minshew. We kind of overlooked his flaws because of. Uh, his popularity and charisma and everything about him. He was a guy that you wanted to see succeed, like Eric was talking about. And you kind of overlook the flaws that they actually have. And then you go into the season with them starting, and then it goes badly. And um, I would caution Washington fans about that. I wouldn't say, don't be uh, don't be jumping up and down. We got our quarterback now, you know, because it's not, it's not a sure thing. And one game does not make or break a, a player's career. Uh, so we'll see. Um, we'll see. I think he'll get a shot, but uh, my I'm leaning towards no for starting next year. Um, so that's going to wrap up the podcast, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed all of our analysis, the rant by Connor, um, and then some of these topics at the end. <laughs> so say, uh, Connor, do you feel a little better that you yeah. got that off your chest? You got to air your grievances there? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Got to got to put those Steelers fans in their place. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. Uh, (laughs) All right. So thank you everybody for listening and watching and remember be clutch. Bye. See ya. Peace.